here today as we enter into the middle now of August. We're looking forward to a lot of fall things coming up that we'll be announcing in the next couple weeks, including our Labor Day baptism service, which will uh, celebrate one year of being renewed. Uh, Bible Church, as well as our 125th year of being a church. So we're looking forward to that and uh, all the things coming up. But this Sunday, we're going to continue in, oh, the Gospel of Mark. I trust you've been enjoying this series as we march through this gospel and learn about the Jesus of Scripture, not the Jesus that necessarily is portrayed by one's own mind's eye, but what the Bible says and demonstrates uh, who this son of man is. Now, now I don't know, how many, how many let, let's, let's get some participation here. How many of you have ever had a dog or have a dog? Any? Okay, do you see how many hands that was? I mean, that is something a lot of us understand having a dog. How many of you have rules for that dog um, or dogs and, and one includes some sort of food rule? Uh, maybe your home has a no human food for the dog. Now, how many of you, um, you don't have to raise your hands for this, um, especially because I'm gonna have a follow-up question. Uh, how many of you have that rule? You say, hey, no human food for the dog. And, and then l- let me follow up. How many of you have broken that rule? <laughs> Aren't we self-righteous in conversation, right? right? And, and, yeah, I mean, and how many times have you broken that rule of no human food um, with a, oh, just, just, oh, look at their eyes, right? <laughs> now, how many of you say, okay, okay, no human food, but maybe um, not at the table, okay? If you're going to feed them, not at the table. Maybe you have that, like, because we don't want them begging at the table, right? How many of you maybe have that rule, and how many of you have broken that one, too? And, and normally the reason you break it is because you've got a scene going on like this at your house somewhere, right? How, how familiar a scene is that to some of you, right? All the cat owners are grumpy right now, but uh, get, get, you know, give, me, give me a couple weeks, I'll try to come back with a cat analogy. But, but if you have this scene at your house, there's a couple different things and the dog has learned more about you and it behaves more based on how you behave and he knows what's coming. Did you notice that your dog knows which one of you is the weakest? Have you ever noticed that? They know. Oh, I know which one to go to. They're gonna fold. They also know which one will give the most, right? Like who will really give the most? Who will just say, oh, come here, you know? Who will sneak it to them, whatever it is. Um, the dog kind of knows. It, it, it works off that. But, but dogs also give away their emotions while they're waiting, don't they? There is the, the waiting hopefully, right? I mean, look at, th- this, is a, this is a hopeful puppy, right? Like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Some of you, they're up on their legs and they've got their begging hands out. Some whine, aren't they just wonderful, the whiners? Oh, man. Oh, man, the whiners are tough, right? But, but there's waiting hopefully. And then there's also this kind of waiting. There's a, a waiting anxiously, um, how many of you have words in your house and when the dog hears those words, the behavior starts, right? Um, are, are you gonna take him or her for a walk? <sighs> they heard, there's the word, there's the word. And there's movement through the house and they're up in front of the door. They're grabbing the leash, they're looking at the leash and they're going back and forth and back and forth. But you get caught up in a conversation and they go from waiting anxiously to waiting more stubbornly, right? How about that? I mean, it, it just kind of like, are we going or not, right? Well, I'm leashed up, I'm ready to go, and you won't walk, right? You can see it all over their emotions. But then there's times where the waiting goes on and on and on. And then the waiting becomes more uh, just worn out. That's worn out. I mean, we're we're way past anxious. We're way past hopeful. We're way past even being upset. We're we're still waiting. And now we're just worn. Can I ask you something in your prayer life? In your prayer life, something you've been praying for. Something you've been praying for. Something you've been asking God for. Something you were waiting for, hopefully, anxiously. 
even stubbornly at times, like, God, I'm gonna keep coming, I'm gonna keep coming. And, and how, many, how many of us in this room today have a prayer in our life, whether it be for a, a father, a mother, a wife, a relationship, a dream, a goal, a business, a property, a purchase, a plan, and you were praying. But if you're honest with yourself, you're kind of right there. And, and you're here, and you love Jesus. But there's some prayers that you had been praying that if you're completely clear with God, you've kind of given up on the answer. In fact, you've kind of given in to that there's not going to be something that comes from this. Or it just didn't happen the way I wanted it. God, I was praying for my daughter to have this type of life, and she hasn't had that. God, I was praying for my son. I was praying that grandma would change or that this would go away. Or I was praying that I wouldn't have to have this disease or difficulty in my life. And now, God, I'm just, it's been a while, and um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of worn. You know, dogs are incredibly persistent and they will wait and wait and wait at that table because they may not get the course or the meal they wanted, but they are more than willing to settle for the crumbs falling off the table. Today's message, I wanna call even the crumbs even the crumbs, could I, could I, Jesus, maybe, maybe I was off on what I wanted, but I'm at a spot in my life where I'll even take, I'll take a crumb. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use the gospel of Mark today to mold and shape the children of God in this room, to have prayer lives, that are in accordance to your will and not their own. May they learn, learn not the defeat that comes in that, but the joy that comes in waiting. Not the defeat that they might feel, but the joy that you will do something. Not the defeat they might currently be feeling, but the joy set before them. That you hear it, you know what's best, and they can trust you even when it feels, when it comes to their prayer, they're waiting for crumbs. Lord, use this text today to inspire us to be people of prayer, to pray and to wait and to not give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark says, and from there he arose, Jesus, and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. If you were with us last week, Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who were asking questions of what truly defiles the person. And he was remarking how there's a lot more going on inside than what just meets the eyes on the outside. And it's what's inside that defiles a man. And as this conversation and this debate was raging, Jesus takes now the opportunity to get away. And maybe you're used to reading the scriptures and not knowing the geography and that kind of hurts you a little bit in your overall visual. But, but here on the screen, I, I want you to note that he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, now that's up in the Phoenicia area. Jesus has been doing much of his ministry in this Capernaum area. We remember he went across to Bethsaida. We see him going back and forth on the Sea of Galilee. And now Jesus leaves this region and heads up into a predominantly Gentile area, which is interesting because Jesus came to bring the message to Jews specifically as well. He would share with Gentiles from time to time but it seemed to be there'd be a little bit more of a preeminence in that area. Now he's headed up into a Gentile area, into the area of Sidon and Tyre. And he went there for a reason. Do you remember what it was? Scripture says this, he, he, he went there and entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. 
He's trying to get away from these crowds that continue to press in on him, continue to debate him. The, the, the pressure and the anger of those who have become his enemies because of his message is mounting and he's trying to get away and he couldn't do it. Why? Because someone heard he was there and was seeking him out to ask him a question. And it seems as if there's some sort of proverbial knock at the door and there's a woman who immediately rose and came to him. Scripture says, but immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, we know from the text of Mark that this is some sort of demonic activity going on in her, heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. If I came running into your house after I banged on your door and I fell down at your feet, I think you would know that something very serious is going on. And for many of us, especially the parents in the room, it would take something happening to your daughter or your son to fall down on your feet. What's going on? Now the woman, Mark wants to point out, was a Gentile, a Sarah Phoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And so we have this scene. I want you to picture it in your mind's eye of this woman who has come into the house. She's begging Jesus. He's trying to get away. And she falls down beneath him. And she says, my little daughter has an unclean spirit. She must've heard that Jesus has healed people of unclean spirits. And she finds him here in this Gentile territory where, where Jesus, and by the way, Jesus wasn't very good at getting away, was he? He just, wasn't, he, just, he just wasn't very good. He does all things good, so there must be an overall sovereign plan to this. There's another lesson that needs to be taught. But here he is, and he has this woman begging. If you live life long enough, you know what it's like to beg God in prayer. If you're a little kid here today, or you're a high schooler, you may never have come across something like this, but you may have. And you know exactly what it feels like and what it sounds like to beg God. Oftentimes, it includes laying in a bed with tears coming down your face, or it includes lying on the ground um, I have had uh, the very uh, disheartening job at times of walking into a home that had just received horrific news. And the prayers sounded not so much like a Sunday morning prayer, but someone begging God. And, and this is where this woman is. She's begging God. And it's been going on for a while. Now, I don't understand that. I, I understand that not everybody in the room might understand what it's like to live with a child that has a struggle in their life. But it doesn't just wear mom out, it wears dad out, it wears the family out, it wears the finances out, it wears the home out. When there's struggle in a family's life, it does not just wear out one person, it wears out everyone. And this woman is worn. She's like that that dog we showed laying on the ground and she's begging Jesus. It, it reminds me of a passage in Luke. Do any of you remember the passage where Jesus taught a parable on a woman begging for something? It's called the parable of the persistent widow. Familiar? It, it, it's an interesting parable because it speaks of a woman who had no one to come to her side, did not have the money to have a representative, and she kept coming. Let's read what Luke says. He says this, um, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Let's stop there just for one second. Jesus is teaching this parable to everyone who is out there who is tempted to lose heart in prayer. 
So, so if there's anyone in the room who feels a little worn out about praying for something, this parable was written for you. So, so listen in, in case you are in a spot where you've lost heart praying for someone, something, or even something in your own life that you wanted to conquer. This is for you. He wrote this parable, he told this parable, he said this. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. There was a judge who did not fear God, there was no God concept, living as if there's no God in this world, and he could absolutely give a rip what any man said about him. Doesn't care. So he's not gonna be motivated He's not gonna be motivated by anybody saying he's good or bad at his job. It's not gonna be a part of his decision. And he's not gonna have some weight of guilt on him that God isn't upset with his decision-making. Jesus goes, I just want you to paint the picture. No biblical worldview and no care of the opinion of men. All right, okay, I'm listening. Okay, and then there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. Okay, so in the city, there's an adversary that is taking advantage of this widow. And if you know the culture of that time, that widow would not have the means to have anyone advocate for her. So she's coming directly to the judge and she's saying, I need this, I need this, I need this. And, and then Jesus says, okay, and so for a while he refused. No, no, no. But, but afterward, he said to himself this, though I neither fear God nor respect man, it's almost like he reiterates it. Jesus is like, really want you to know this. Though I don't fear God or I respect men, yet this widow keeps bothering me. The idea is she is annoying me. She is causing me trouble. Every day I come to work or consistently or once a week or we don't know what it is. One of my administrators comes to me and says, she's here again. She's out front again. People are wondering if you're gonna listen to her today. What's going on? Ugh! She won't go away. Jesus is telling this, and, 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 and can we umbrella again? He's telling this to people who are close to giving up hope on a prayer request. He wants you to hear this. Well, okay, let's keep reading. He says this, Yet I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. There's some interesting play on words here in the original language, which would be Greek when you're talking New Testament. And the idea is to beat me in the eye or to have a bruised eye, which would be a euphemism of that day, kind of saying, this woman's gonna wreck my good name. I need to deal with this because she's going to make me end up looking bad. This judge, he is, it's just terrible. And he doesn't care what people say, but he does care about his name. So I'll give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And, and the Lord said, Jesus turns to me, he says, now hear what the unrighteous judge says. I am so annoyed, I'm going to do it for her because I don't want my name to look bad. He goes, now hear that, hear that. And will not God give justice to his elect who he dearly loves, who cry to him day and night? If, if the right unrighteous judge is annoyed to death by those who keep coming and finally does it, how much more do I want to do it for those who come to me day and night? I'm gonna to speak to dads in the room for just a second. You know how we, uh, we talk a big game when the kids come to us and they say things like, dad, I really want that. Well, we can't afford that. I don't know. We talk a big game, but we're already shopping. You know what I'm talking about, dad? He really wants, uh, dad, could I really, dad, 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 hey, dad. Well, I mean, your mother and I aren't necessarily in a position to do that, but you're already shopping. You're already looking. Because I'll tell you a little secret about dads, we're full of it, we love providing for our children. We love it. In fact, there is nothing more rewarding than taking our hard earned money. Hey, when you're young, you get your first check and like, like you want your parents to pay for everything, right? And then you get your first money and they go, hey, you got money and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That money's off limits. That's my money. Oh, oh, that's your money. That's my money. I've heard, I've heard high schoolers 
ruminating on this going, it's almost not worth it to have a job. It's held over you. (laughs) But there's this joy in going, I know it's something that I have and I want to provide. Jesus leverages earthly illustrations all the time when teaching, but his earthly illustration is not that I am this God that's annoyed by you coming. It's, look, if an unrighteous judge who doesn't even like the person nor care about the person gives in because of persistence, how much more do I, who loves my kids, who loves preparing things for my kids, who loves to give good gifts? In fact, in Hebrews, does he not say, if your earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more do I? He's saying, hey, keep coming. Pray and don't lose heart. Which it didn't answer yet. Pray and don't lose heart. But I was excited. Pray and don't lose heart. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. But it's going to be God's speed. Remember that phrase? That old English phrase, God's speed. We're not willing to often go God's speed, are we? And we want to go Chris' speed right? He'll give it to them speedily in his time. Write in your journal, Lord, may I walk in God's speed, okay? Not my speed, right? May I go by your speed? Because what you deem fast, I deem slow sometimes. And what you deem a long time, I couldn't believe you answered that fast. I want to go your speed. And Jesus walked through this earth at his speed. And he dealt with people bringing them into alignment with his speed. For they often wanted to go their speed. But, but, oh man, but Jesus says this, but, but nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith? Scripture says there'll be a continual apostasy towards the end times of people walking away from the faith. You're gonna hear more and more of people deconstructing their faith. It's predicted in your scripture. You're gonna hear of people going, I, I was walking with God, I'm, I'm leaving this. I don't know if I can trust this anymore. I'm not, I'm not sure I can believe this anymore. That's a sign of things growing closer to the time when the Lord returns. But Jesus says, when I come, will I find faith? I pray he finds it in me. And I pray by his grace, he sustains me because I'm tempted sometimes just like you a pastor, I'm tempted at times, just like you, to lose heart in prayer. There was something I wanted to write in my journal that motivated me. You ever read a passage and then it gets you a second or third or fourth time? It was the day and night part. Day and night. Will I not answer the prayers for those who cry to me day and night? I love Ian Bounds. I got his prayer quotes throughout my life in my journals, on sticky notes, everything. But one thing he writes is, I think Christians fail so often to get answers to their prayers because they do not wait long enough on God. But, but see, I look at waiting as an inactive behavior. How about you? When I hear waiting, I think, hmm. But that's not the waiting of scripture. What? No, 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 that's not how you wait in scripture. Well, I thought you wait, you know, you wait. I'm up here laying in my bedroom, sleeping until 3 p.m. every day, mom and dad, waiting on a job. (laughs) How about I help you learn how to wait? Dad says, mom says, that's not waiting of scripture. Waiting of scripture is not inactivity. In fact, it's just the opposite. What, what? And until you get this, you might confuse waiting with sitting around going, I just guess God doesn't love me. I just guess that um, he doesn't want me to even have a crumb. Because you look at waiting as sitting around doing nothing. Go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider its ways. He's constantly working while he's waiting. 
So, so what does this look like? And, and I'm gonna allow that day and night to give us a little more prayerology, if you will. Because Jesus not only gives an illustration of prayer that she keeps coming during the day, he also gives a night one. How many of you are familiar with the incredible story of the midnight visitor? It's in Luke 11. Why do I say it's incredible? Because it's almost like shocking how it's put, put together in scripture. I love it. I'm gonna read it for you. He says this, and he said to them, which one of you has a friend, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight? Okay, that already is audacious, right? And say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within. So, so Jesus is painting the picture. Friend, friend, it's midnight. Friend, friend, I've got somebody. They showed up at my house. I've got no food. Do you have anything? And from inside the door, Jesus says, this is what he hears. Do not bother me. The door is shut now and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Fred, I need some food. Oh my word. Oh my word, right? All moms of toddlers, right? Mom, 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 mom. All right, right? All the judgmental people walking by you in Walmart, they have no idea what you went through all day, mom. They have no idea. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open. For everyone asks, receives, and the one who receives, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Ask, seek, knock. I call them ask prayers. Where did I get that? Just the first letter, everyone. Ask prayers. Ask of me is the one condition God puts in the very advance and triumph of his cause, he unbound says. Ask and it'll be given. Seek and you will find it. Knock and it will be open to you. But, but I've asked for things. Keep asking. But I, I've, I've sought things. Keep seeking. I, I've, I've knocked. Keep knocking. You say, Chris, well, well, it doesn't say that. In fact, actually it does. There's something called an aorist in the original language. And when you have something that is a present in the Greek, it means a continual action. So you could actually interpret and render this hermeneutically, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find it. Keep knocking and it will be open to you. But I've done that. No, 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 no. And Jesus says this. Let me, let me offer you a few conditions. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Dad, can I have a fish to eat? I love you, son. I actually have a rattlesnake. <laughs> Dad, why would you do that? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Dad, could I have some scrambled eggs? Hold on one second. Here's some scorpions. Wait a minute. Jesus is teaching me something. When I keep asking and I keep knocking and I keep seeking, God, I'm asking for this. I'm asking for this. Where are you seeking? I'm seeking it over here. I'm applying over here. I'm going over here. I'm standing. See, there's a difference between waiting on God up in your room in the bed as a puppy laying in the sheets and underneath the table right at the master's feet waiting for a crumb. That dog has made a decision. I am not leaving my master's feet. I'm staying close because if even I get a crumb off that table, I'm happy. 
That's asking, that's seeking, and that's knocking. Or if, he says this, if then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? She came to Jesus begging, begging. My daughter has an unclean spirit. Matthew tells me even more of the story. Jesus went away and withdrew into a district of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples, Peter, James, John, they all came up to him and, and they begged Jesus saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. I mean, get her out of here, Jesus. You're not saying anything. You can clearly hear her going, son of David, son of David. So her go away. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I didn't stop her. Matthew says she came and they knelt, she knelt down before him saying, Lord, help me. How many of you answer for people before you go talk to them? How many of you say, oh, I know what they're gonna say. Oh, I know what will happen. I got, I got a couple children with tremendous entrepreneur spirits. I say, you wanna know something an entrepreneur never does? What? Answers the question for someone else. They're gonna make them say it and they're gonna make them say it over and over and over. Because the key to one of the successes of entrepreneur living is not willing to get no. And when you get no, you find another door. You just keep going and going and going. And if you don't have that, you should really pick a different path. In some ways, I see the entrepreneurial spirit in prayer life. And coming to Jesus and saying, God, I need this. God, I need this. But what happens is, he refines us in that process. And when you learn, he's not gonna give you something you can't handle. I like to joke, you can pray all you want. God, God, I, I wanna drive. Please help me pass my driver's lessons. Please help me drive my driver's lessons. But you're eight years old. <laughs> and I know a lot of times in my life, I'm praying for things and God's going, what? This is, what, what, what? I'm not giving you a snake. You'll get pulled over at eight years old. And that's not gonna go well for you. But God, I really believe I can. And so part of prayer is a process. I remember begging God for different relationships in my life that I am glad he chose to not allow to continue. For in fact, he had better situations coming when especially being the girl I married. I'm so glad God didn't answer some of my high school prayers because I hadn't met who he had for me yet. And the willingness to say, not my will, but yours, that you wish good things for me helps my begging refine. But I keep asking. I keep seeking his will. I find his will in scripture. I keep seeking it and seeking it and seeking it. Because that ask, seek, knock is not you getting God to align to your will. It's you aligning to his. And there's a process to that. Dad, I really want. You think you're actually old enough for that? No, but I really want it. Well, what if you did this? Well, I mean, that isn't the worst option. What if this was an option? That's what the word of God does. And the more we seek it and the more we spend time at our master's feet, the more it's gonna refine our prayer life and we're gonna see those answers because prayer must align to the will of God, not to the will of you. 
She's begging him. And watch him realign her. And he said to her, uh, let the little children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now apply Matthew in context. Who are the children? The Jewish people. Jesus is not calling her a dog. Jesus is not belittling her. He's teaching a lesson to the entire audience. I came here for the children of God to those Jews. And, and you want me also now to take that and throw it to the dogs. The uh, Jews oftentimes refer to the Gentile areas, especially areas like Tyre and Sidon as, as dogs. But Jesus does something different here. He uses dogs here and in its original form, it refers to little dogs. In fact, some translations you might see little dogs in your Bible because he's talking about not the dogs that are ravenousing things out on the streets, but the domesticated dogs in the home that are dearly loved and cared for. He's saying first the children, then the crumbs. And so he's just ignoring her. And the disciples are like, what's going on? And she interjects. She doesn't say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll. I already tried, I tried, I tried. She interjects and she says this, I love it. Yes, Lord, I get it. Children, then the crumbs on the table. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. I understand why you came. Not completely, but I'm working with your analogy is what the idea here is. And even, I mean, you're saying that you're not answering me because you came for the Jews, but even us Gentiles will take some crumbs I can tell you, Chris Heller, the Gentile, appreciates the sentiment of her going, I'll take some crumbs. And he turns to her upon saying that. Oh, what's he gonna say? For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I wrote down in my notes, whoa. Whoa, I keep watching Jesus going to people's houses. Where's your son? Where's your daughter? My daughter, she's dying, she's sick. Okay, let's go to your house. And I watch Jesus come in the room and heal them. I just want, he don't have to go. He don't have to go. He doesn't have to like go to the demon possessed. No, she's healed, go home. She gets up, the woman gets up, scripture says, and she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Wait a minute. Back to my woe. You mean to tell me her statement was what Jesus was looking for? You, you say, is that conjecture? No, no, Jesus said, for this statement, for what you, what did I just hear you say? I, I said, even the children, when the crumbs fall off the table, the dogs eat some crumbs. I mean, uh, even that, Lord, I mean, that's what I said. She's healed. I, I, I think we should get plaques for this thing. I mean, this statement, this statement moved the very hand of God. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. What would she say? I got nothing. I've got nothing. I'll take crumbs. You'll take crumbs? I'll take crumbs. Done. It was her aligning to his will, not him aligning to hers. It was when she said that because she kept crying, son of David, have mercy, son of David. That didn't move it. God, please, please, that wasn't it. It was when she got to hear and said, I'll take whatever you give me. What? I'll just take whatever. I had a wish list over there. I, I had a wish list back there. I had a huge wish list over there. But right now, I'm kind of here. I'm kind of here. Whatever. Just whatever. Whatever. There you go. You got it. Go. 
What? Go. That's what I was looking for. You don't need to come. No, we're good here. Go home. See her. She's great. Go home. And she goes. I love this quote. Prayer is not conquering God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. Prayer is not conquering God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. When you feel God is reluctant, it's not because he's wrong, it's because you're out of alignment. What? Yeah, yeah. When you're praying something, and as you're coming to God, and you're not seeing necessarily what you want, it's you who are out of alignment, not God. And prayer, continual, fervent prayer of asking, and asking, it refines you. Of seeking, it refines you. Of, of knocking, of keeping and coming day and night, it refines you and realigns you. Can I speak to any auto mechanics in the room for a second? When, when your car, when you have a tire, right? And I just happen to have a random tire over here. Uh, when you got a tire, okay, um, it, it comes with just wonderful tread. And I don't know how many of you have a, a father figure or mother figure in your life who is consumed with tread wear, but I do. I have that in my life. Like, this is a major issue. Like, look at this side of the tread, the tread's wearing, okay? Um, I can usually go with it, but how do you know when a, a, a tire is out of alignment? Okay, teenagers, if you've got a car, um, don't do this for a long time. Don't say like Pastor Chris told you to do this, but take your hands off the wheel. If it yanks, okay, to one side of the road, your tires are out of alignment. And, and what's the problem? When your tires are out of alignment, they get wear on them and they don't last as long. It can affect gas mileage. It can affect a bunch of different things. And I'm not here to, because I don't know what I'm talking about at all, okay? <laughs> at all. But there's two types of wear. There's wear on the outside when you're out of alignment, and, that, and that's where everyone can see, right? But there's also wear, wear church, on the inside. And not everybody can see that. Wh which side do you think God can see? Yeah, both sides, both sides. And so when we come to God in prayer, he sees how worn we are. See, see, we only think we are so, maybe I'm this worn. He sees how worn we are. For if we spend a lot of time out of alignment, we're wearing out on the inside and on the outside. And if we don't pray and continually ask, seek, and knock, we go through life worn down. Prayer is like going to the auto mechanic and going, realign my tire. Renewal is putting some new tires on and making it nice and balancing them and getting them right so you can go down life's journeys. But some of you will notice this. When a tire is worn, it doesn't take the potholes as well as it used to. It doesn't take difficulty as well as it used to because it's worn and our prayers get us back into alignment. They don't realign God. God is the same yesterday, today, and how long? God is the same yesterday, today, and how long? See, he didn't change. We changed. We haven't been in the shop. We might be asking, but we're not seeking. We might have sought, but we stopped knocking. And Jesus is going, can I talk to everybody in here who's lost heart? Come to the shop. What? Come to the shop called prayer. And as you're praying, let me refine you. So like if I pray this afternoon, no, no, no. I want you to hear from my parables. I want you praying day and night. I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with that kind of discipline. I want to pray like that. I like to use phrases we do in Christianese. We say things like, I've been praying for that my whole life. Once every five years, I pray for that. So my whole life. 
And I started saying, I really want to be able to say to my children, to their future spouses, to their future kids, if God, if the Lord wills, and if we tarry. Dad, grandpa, your friend, your pastor, whatever, has been praying that day and night. And I don't have the self-discipline for that. I'm not always around paper. And so we often talk about the struggles with cell phones. I found a positive. I actually have put together a prayer file that I've had through the years. In fact, not only have I had this prayer file through the years, I went back and looked at some of the prayers that I remember praying over this passage last time I preached it in 2019. One of the prayers was called 33 Days. Some of our deacons in the room remember, we committed after making a prayerful decision in a meeting to move the church's name to Renew Bible Church and share that with the church of this revision of bringing revivals and renew together. With Bible in its name, we will take a stand there and we will preach the Bible, whatever comes our way. And on top of that, we will mix these two passions to have an off-campus 501c3 incorporation that can build and operate like a business while keeping the church not a business, keeping it a church and staying focused on what a church is supposed to do. But our community and our people had a tremendous passion to reach the lost. We are not here to be keepers of the tank and make sure our fish tank looks nice, although it really does. In fact, that stone really helped, didn't it? But we are to be fishers of men. And we wanted to do it in such a way to not burden the ministries, but build the ministries out for God's kingdom. And as we prayerfully worked on these things, we said, let's apply persistent prayer for 33 days till the time Chris is gonna speak this and tell the church. We will pray about this day and night. And we had a deacon send it out. Boo-doo, 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 every day. And we would pray this. We presented it in 2019. And then there was this thing that happened in 2020. I don't know if you remember it. But we had no idea how long we were gonna wait for that vision to play out but it was gonna be a wait. And I believe part of it was to see <laughs> in our sphere, it was for many, many, many reasons. But one of the ways that God used that was to refine the vision to what he had planned, which was so much more than anything we could have ever thought of. I have a prayer file in my life. Um, my cell phone looks like this. Uh, this is my prayer. There's 32 active prayers right there for my personal life that I can open and then I can click and show how God answered those. It's a great tool to show to people in your life the power of answered prayer. Because when I write down the prayer, I put a box waiting for it to get answered. And there's little boxes on these cell phones. You can click them and it says answered. And I even write how it was answered. Um, dad's day and night, those are the ones I pray over the Heller family day and night. Day and night, that's my day and night prayers. Um, then my children's names and my wife's names. I have a cast all your cares file. Um, I'm tempted to worry at times, uh, little ADD, often thinking ahead. And because of that, I can tend to worry about future things that may or may not happen. But I can tend to worry about them. I try to take all my worries and turn them into worship. And so whatever the devil's trying to make me worry about, I put him in my cast all your cares file. There is power to pressing cast all your cares. I'm telling you, there's power to going cast all your cares and then typing out the prayer to God. God, I, I'm, I'm laying awake thinking about this and I wanna turn this into prayer. It's a worry right now. So here's the prayer. Take that devil, boom. Every time you tempt me to worry, I'm gonna worship. You just made a worshiper here tonight in bed. Um, the intercession file, those are prayers I'm praying over our church family and specific needs. It was added to on Friday when one of our staff members, brides, lovely brides, got some very difficult news and we're praying as a church. I wanna be interceding for that. There's hard prayers and there's psalm prayers. You say, what are those psalm prayers? Um, I have some specific psalms that I tried to turn into prayers, just taking the prayer because sometimes I don't know what to pray. Do you ever, do you ever pray to God and you don't know what to pray? I don't know what to pray. And the nights I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. And this Holy Spirit murmurs for me, murmurs for me with groans that I don't know. But, but when I don't know what to pray, I'll open the prayer file 
of Psalms, and I'll just read them. I just read them. And you, know, you wouldn't believe what happens to your heart. It, it, re- it realigns. It's not just waiting, it's asking, it's seeking, and it's knocking. If you're a grandpa out there, if you're a grandma out there, if you're a brother, a sister, a dad, a mom, why aren't you praying for the people you love most in your life persistently? Don't you dare let the devil win in this area and discourage you. Jesus says, listen to me, not those feelings in your head and not the circumstances in your life and not the results that you don't like. Hear me out, keep coming. Don't let that be a voice of conviction. Don't don't let me go and bang, I'm, I'm just trying to get us our attention. The enemy out there, he's roaring around. He wants to eat your kids for lunch, dad. Get on your knees and fight like a man. That's how we battle. And we have to, because he wants them. He wants to snack on your wife. He wants to snack on your kids. He wants to snack on your husband's ladies. He wants his lunch. And if no one is getting in the gap, you're taking a risk with the people you love most. And so let this inspire you to go, I gotta be praying, but, but you can't be praying going, I better get results, it's not how it works. Oh, I wish it's how it works. I go back on those prayer lives. I can go back to some of those prayers. I can go to that top one, my son's file, and it starts around seven, when he was seven. I had some specific prayers. I look so silly now in those prayers. I have changed so much. I would never pray that way anymore. I was realigned through that process. And it's so healthy for my spiritual life to go back and see the realignment God was doing. You say, how come Rebecca's file only has two? Because they change every year and they are the same. I gotta get those two right. Because I don't really like the prospects of me being in ministry without my rock. What are you praying for day and night? Do you know that two of them have alarms Two of those, I have an alarm set and it goes off and it'll bother me at certain, it'll bother me at certain times of the day. Ha, I gotta do that. I've given you a lot to think about. I pray I've inspired you. It's one of my goals to go home and make up a prayer sheet and start pounding the throne of heaven. You know, David in Psalm 40, talking about Psalm prayers, It's one of my prayers. I'm gonna give one to you. It's called the patient prayer. If you're waiting for something, it's Psalm 40, okay? I'm just gonna tell you. And it's powerful. And it talks about how David waited on his way maker and he came through. E.M. Bounds writes this. So much of the time, we're all wrapped up in the product. God isn't. He's wrapped up in the process. We're all looking for the answer. God is looking for the person who will pray, even when he cannot see the answer. It is only that kind of person whom God can ultimately trust with the answer. If we're short-fused people who will pray only when we immediately get what we want, then God can't trust us with any big answers to our prayers. He writes, but if we are consistent men and women who take God at his word, who believe that prayer changes things, who will pray without ceasing, who will not lose heart at our praying, who day after day will pray no matter what seems to be happening around us, who keep trusting God, then there will come a time when God will say, I can answer that believer's prayer because that's a person who can handle the answer. Patiently in Psalm 40, it means expectantly, fervently, and actively. 
It carries that whole idea. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he did three things. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Let let me illustrate for those who can see me. I waited, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. Let me encourage you, brother and sister in Christ, this is a great place to start your patient prayer life. Waiting patiently. Psalms 40 tells me, waiting patiently on the Lord leads to reward. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair and out of the mud and the mire. If you have found yourself completely exhausted of energy, scrolling through Instagram more than talking to people, totally frustrated with where your life's at, feeling like you're in the muck and the mire, I wanna encourage you to ask, seek, and knock. Why did you give up, Dad? Why did you give up, Mom? Why did you give up, little brother? Why did you give up, older sister? Were you looking at results? Or were you looking to heaven? For I'm gonna realign you in this process. And that is the beauty of what God's asking you to do. You can't change anybody else. Have you ever been frustrated by that reality? But you can pray for them. And in doing so, you're enacting the will of God. Because waiting patiently leads to your heart restoring. Because when we don't see the prayers that we want and we don't see God making a way the way we would want, we get defeated, we get worn, and he realigns us and helps us to see even when we don't get what we want, he can do great things and still wants to. David says, out of the muck and the mire, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Waiting patiently leads to renewal in our lives. It leads to us saying, hey, it didn't go the way I wanted it. That wasn't the trial I wanted to see. However, my heart got renewed through the process of praying through this. And then David concludes and says this, many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in him. Waymaker, beautiful savior. What made you stop? What made you stop? May I encourage every child of God in this room. I got a call from a dear relative of mine who felt the spirit prompted him to make one more visit to his dying mother-in-law. And after years of refusing the gospel, he walked into her hotel or her her, her hospice bed and sat down next to her. She could barely utter words. But she said, tell me that thing you always want to tell me about Jesus. He called me weeping and he said, Chris, I led her to the Lord that night. She would die within 48 hours. An entire life of waiting, but an entire life of praying. He saw that, and it wasn't necessarily when he wanted it, but he never gave up. I wonder what your story will be that God doesn't want you to give up. I encourage you this week to ask, seek, knock. Find the song Waymaker and put it on your car stereo if you need to on the way to work and start praying fervently, specifically, and persistently. Because God just might wanna do a great work and you were that close to seeing it and you were about to lose heart. But the enemy lost today because you came to church and you heard the words of Jesus encouraging you, keep 
coming to me. Heavenly Father, a praying church is a strong church. A praying church is a humble church. A praying church is an empowered church. A praying church is a unified church. A praying church at times is a hurting church. A praying church at times is a confused church. A praying church at times is an attacked church. And Lord, we felt all those emotions and we feel them to this day. And Lord, I know there's people in this room who might be currently frustrated with where their life is at. I pray that they would take the words of their savior and come again in prayer, asking, seeking, and knocking, not waiting for a result, but asking you to realign them so that they will finally pray the words that you've been waiting to hear all along. Even, God, even the crumbs. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. I know God's word.